Welcome to episode 7 in the KIPP's Personal Trainer Application Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about moving into a new niche or a new market with your training services. Our guest is Kelly Manzone. She is a personal trainer based out of Connecticut who does also seminars for Indian clubs, steel clubs, the steel maze. And with her seminars, she has ones that target general population or has a more direct target audience. We're gonna talk about how to develop these offerings and how a personal trainer can develop something that they're passionate about and something that they feel like they can build on a day-to-day basis. Let's get to the episode. So Kelly, what was your business plan going into developing your workshops and your seminars? My business plan, well, it kind of wasn't really a business plan. What happened with workshops is um, I had been approached by colleagues. Like I started getting approached about two and a half years ago by groups of trainers asking me if I could come and do a workshop for them either at their facility or um, in a gym environment or, you know, um, at uh, renting a place somewhere within the city. Also, um, a couple of PT places had reached out and I actually turned down the first four um, requests because I wasn't like, I, it, it kind of was a first for me. I'd always wanted mm-hmm. to go into, into education um, and that's where my career has kind of naturally uh, evolved and, and along with um, creating unique events and workshops that I've been doing over the past couple of years. And um, it kind of dawned on me. I was like, well, if, I, if people are reaching out consistently, I must have something to, to offer because yeah. these are people that are, that are my colleagues. So when the next request came, I did not turn it down and I, I kind of dove in. Mm-hmm. And then it just started to um, uh, continue. It, it, it continuously evolved. So like one workshop would lead to networking with somebody else and somebody would kind of get wind of it and then they would contact me. And uh, that's how I actually got started with the the workshops. Yeah, I had to kind of take a leap leap of faith, I guess you could say. Yeah, definitely. And I would say that that is one of the primary benefits of going to workshops, seminars, conference is the availability of networking there. Mm-hmm. You never know who you're going to meet there, where they come from, what their job is, and what even their intentions of going to some of these conferences are, they might be there to network just like yourself and be able to have these opportunities there. If you spark the right conversation, or even if the topic that you're presenting on is something they feel will be valuable for their audience, for their members, or even their staff. So it's a very, I'll say unique way that for you to get into uh, the workshops because you're already putting out great quality content. Oh, thank you. People, they, they realize it, they see it. And I think that where I think the next step in terms of what we're going to talk about today with trying to develop, uh, a, I'll say, a niche market in terms of what is your target in terms of how can I bring this out in terms of the audience? I want this target demographic with you. And right now you're putting on these really great female driven workshops and services. Was there a moment that you're like, okay, I think this is a need. And how, how do I create those? Was that kind of your thought process? Well, when I started doing the, the, the workshops two and a half years ago for uh, specifically mace training, kettlebells, and mobility, my demographic is not really like a specific niche because mm-hmm. uh, it, 
most of the people, especially in my last six uh, Indian club in Mace workshops that I've done by myself, um, there, there's a wide range of demographic age-wise, background-wise. Um, more often than not, I have more fitness professionals um, and colleagues that attend my workshops um, than enthusiasts, though yeah. there are enthusiasts that also attend. And um, you know, I'll have a wide range of uh, experience and age. So what I love about the events is, you know, um, the one I did in Virginia not too long ago, I had a gentleman there who was 70. Then I had a young uh, trainer who was new to the business who was 24. And so that's what I, I love. As far as like the pillars of female strength workshop concept came to be mm -hmm. was um, I'm almost 20 years in the industry and I've only had male mentors. So I've never really um, attended a workshop or a certification other than pre and postnatal and yoga, well, I, I taught yoga for um, a few years in my uh, mid-20s, and now I'm 40. Um, I taught for four years, and then I stepped away from that so I could pursue more of the unconventional training tools that I was interested in. Um, I, I've been very fortunate to have a lot of great mentors who, I, you know, Anthony Delugio, Paul Wachowinski, uh, Paul Gray, the list goes on and on, and they were all men. So um, it's not to pin male against female. Mm -hmm. I just realized that if within the circular training world or in, and with kettlebells, I never really saw a woman out there, um, doing her own, um, her own stuff. It was always, you know, um, uh, either a large company and a, mm -hmm. a woman associated with the company, but I'm a big believer in supporting small business. So mm -hmm. I love having, um, you know, I'll definitely have some more mainstream well-known certifications, but I, I tend to seek out people who are a little bit more um, off the grid, I guess you could say, or they're well-known. They're just not associated with a larger company. Yeah. And um, once I started traveling around the country and teaching, I started to realize that, um, you know, women would approach me and say, you know, I, I've been interested in this stuff, but I didn't know where to go or, you know, what the next step could be. And I wanted to kind of, cause I live in a bubble. I'm over here in Fairfield County in Connecticut, which is, you know, the very wealthy. And um, there's a lot of franchise fitness, mainstream fitness. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm a little, I've always been a little bit off the beaten path, even though I, live and work in kind of um an area where it's mainly the the chain facilities um and and large corporate gyms but i left corporate fitness over a decade ago to strike out on my own as an independent contractor so i work at small independently owned facilities in town and i kind of realized that um some of the skills that I practice, women are not as exposed to it. And maybe they've kind of heard about it and they've seen it. And it seems kind of something that's unattainable. And what I wanted to do is create a um, experience for women where um, I, in, instead of focusing on the number 
or the amount of time that you're training or how many reps you're doing or, you know, going to a soul cycle class, nothing wrong with that, by the way, or orange theory class and just kind of being stuck on a hamster wheel. I wanted women to start connecting to their tools and to seek out a movement practice rather than just kind of thinking it about it as exercise. So, you know, your circular tools or your kettlebell, uh, your mace, your Indian clubs, they become an extension of your body, right? And, and you have to be very present while, while you're training. And I think uh, the mental and physical aspects of these tools offer many benefits beyond just the physical exertion itself. Mm-hmm. And so I love to support small business. And so I partnered with a few of my friends who are wood makers and I have custom Indian clubs that are included in the registration mm. um, that are teardrop Indian clubs made of African uh, mahogany and they have the pillars of female strength uh, logo on it. And then I also have um, a push-up board that a friend of mine is that makes, um, and they're also included in the registration. And I wanted to keep it um, a small group, like my max is about 12, Mm -hmm. because I'll be teaching by myself. Um, And the format is to dive into the history of physical culture. Um, The parts that women have played in it, or the lack thereof, of women's involvement in it, and how it's evolved over the years. Um, and how we, we segue first um, with a kind of a history lesson about circular patterns and how they originated in ancient Persia in India, and then the modernization over the years of the British Army adopting um, Indian clubs, and, and then how it got uh, involved in the Victorian era, then how um, it was an Olympic sport, and how also women in England, the suffragettes, used them uh, to protect, protect themselves while women were fighting for the right to vote. And so it goes on and on, you know, from there. So it's part history lesson, and then it's part movement practice and, and skill-based modalities. So we start with Indian clubs after the history, um, and we discuss things through that. And it's a very basic introduction to how to incorporate Indian clubs into your current routine. Then we segue into body weight movements. Then we segue into kettlebell. Um, It's one of my favorite tools. It's like, I love, it's my first love. Um, And then we segue into mace training. And I have to, you know, I want to keep the group small and I have a regression and progression for, you know, each modality. And it's a day long workshop. Nice, nice. And for today's discussion and really what I like and what I'm getting from what you just mentioned was the uniqueness, but also I'll say the precision in terms of what were the things that you wanted to make sure were part of each workshop. So the capping the size. So you wanted to make sure that it's intimate, making sure that everybody's getting attention and those kinds of, you want to make sure that the education is not just going through each movement or each exercise and not really thinking. You want to make sure that they're understanding why and also being able to physically feel each exercise. So those types of things, those unique items are things that were part of, I'm guessing, the development of it, but then the implementation of it. So today for the listeners and trying to see, okay, here are some ideas that I can take and implement into whether somebody is, whether it's a trainer trying to develop a boot camp and maybe they want to do a boot camp for, we'll say, 
or for new moms, or if they want to do a boot camp for just men, what are those items that I can take from listening to today and implement them into that process of development? So those were, that's what I got from right there was the mm-hmm. this and also the precision of it. You were very precise in terms of these items I feel are going to make sure that makes my workshop different, but also that you can grow from them as well. Yeah, you know, um, I was probably walking around with the idea for over a year. And then before I went on my spring tour, I decided to shelf it because um, I had a number of workshops. And then this past fall, I had seven events that I was doing in a short period of time. And um, instead of starting it in the later portion of 2019, I was like, okay, I'm going to launch this in, in 2020. And I put out um, a post on Instagram and I immediately got contacted by three women who wanted to host the concept. Nice. And so that was reassuring because uh, that immediately, you know, kind of solidified that there's interest. And then after that, I've been contacted by men, a couple of actually, well, from the recent post the other day, I had five or six guys message me DM and ask if this is something I'm going to open up to men too. And I said, absolutely. It was never really meant to be just a, a woman's event, but in my head, I wanted to do something, kind of test the concept with a small group of, of women. And then I think what I'm going to do when I open it up to men, the structure will stay similar, but it'll be more of like, you know, um, like pillars of like circular health. And, and so the, the title will change. Some of the concepts in the history will change. Um, but I, I think there's a need for skill uh, based fitness and thoughtful fit, thoughtful fitness. Mm-hmm. And, um, for tools that are more of a movement practice. Yeah. So, you know, when I did kettlebell sport for a hot minute there, when I, until I started doing the workshops and I realized that I couldn't just keep training in sport and doing my workshops at the same time, cause I had something had to give. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to take a leap of faith and build on the workshops But doing that high volume of that sagittal plane, I really loved how circular patterns offset all the jerks that I was doing. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, there's, there's many ways to apply circular tools. Like currently right now, I have these small groups. I created um, a sturdy athlete program for tennis athletes and um, it's incorporating original strength resets. I get them barefoot. They get on the rock mat. We so in sand dune. We work foot health. Um, I incorporate stick mobility to mobilize um, and to stabilize and to strengthen. And then I also include a little bit of basic Indian club work. And and so I guess that's what you were saying before when you were referring to like what what the takeaway could be yeah. when you were talking about the possibility of somebody doing a boot camp or something like that. Is I think you just have to. Um, I, I think these tools have uh, a place in, in modern fitness um, and, and in current strength applications. Um, and it's, it's allowing, I think, the dialogue to be that these, to go delve beyond the exercises and mm-hmm. start developing a skill. Yeah. And the, the learning process. Yeah. And I like how you also tested the waters with each, each one. You put out, um, 
a post, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook, to see the interest. And as I talked about in a different podcast with somebody Mm -hmm. named Danny Cola, posting, there's a leap of faith. There's some fear involved. And often, because you're putting yourself out there for the world to see, and you're unsure if the response is going to be positive or you're not going to get anything. So just taking those steps takes a lot of courage and takes some thought. And something that I've noticed with your posts that get thousands of views, hundreds of likes, if not thousands of likes, is that you follow a certain, I'll say pattern. You are, in my opinion, a more of a, a long form with your posts. And is there, when you develop those, do you, how much time do you put into those? And also into also the content because it's great content. And I think that sometimes people just getting into social media need to know, okay, here is the development phase for those. Do you uh, write them out before or a week before? Or oh, no, not at all. Um, like I, I have um, a six by eight mat in my living room. So literally where you see all my videos is in the middle of my living room. And I've been collecting tools for over 16 years. So I have equipment underneath my, I've got barbells and maces underneath my couch. As you can see, when you see my videos, my collection behind me, I've got near in my kitchen, literally is a bench full of competition kettlebells of varying weights, uh, sandbags. My, I have a lockbox on my porch. It's what I live in and breathe. You know, my car's mm-hmm. full of equipment. I have um, a pull-up bar in my bathroom. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I only live in 1,200 square feet. The, so how, you know, I don't really, I share my practice. Mm-hmm. Um, when I do um, the, the post of me training, that's literally just my workout for the day. I, most mornings I'm up at 4.30 and I'm normally at the gym training client by 5.30 in the morning. And then I get these little pockets in between where I could focus on organizing my workshops or my travel. Um, I'm writing a book and then I also am flying this Friday to film an online program with original strength. So I'm always communicating with clients. I've got a couple people that I train online and then my workout is literally spread out throughout the day, little bits and pieces. And that's what I share. And then when I do a post like my pillars of female strength concept um, the other day, you know, I took that photo myself right outside of my garage, mm-hmm. just dressed up like Rosie the Riveter because my mm-hmm. grandmother was a Riveter. And I took the picture and then just kind of put it up. So I, I don't really have, um, I don't have a set um, like schedule. I don't plan my, my posts out. And I think that's been the beauty of how it's grown is I'm really authentically just doing what I do. Yeah. You're organically doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's what, you know, I've had friends who have kind of vented frustration. And I said, if you like, and, and my advice is like, if you are striving to create something and you're, and it's not organically coming out, or if you, put too much expectation on something, it's going to set you up for kind of getting mentally, like your mind space is going to get screwed, Yeah, you know? And so I think I've just kind of, I just do what I can. And in the moments when I've realized that I've shared something with expectation, that's a big mistake. You it's like, you just can't have an expectation. And then it's like, that's been the beauty of it is just, this is what I do. This is who I am if this is beneficial to you and you see value in it, that's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think the or organic nature of it, because this is your life, this is you wake up and you're already breathing it. So it becomes natural for you to type up, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to describe in that post. So it, it becomes genuine in terms of when somebody reads it, they understand and they understand where you're coming from it. I think that when somebody is, like you said, they're really having to work hard, they pull it out of them. It's that of course they're going to have a, a negative view on social media or they'll think, Oh, it just takes too much work or, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't have time for that. But I think anybody that's listening to this, hopefully they, un, they already understand that, okay, social media is something that's going to benefit my business or it's something that I need to place more emphasis on because of where it can take me already. You've said how many feelers you've gotten in terms of, Oh, you know, are you going to be doing this for this audience or can yeah. you come over and do this workshop for, for us in this city or state? already, you know, those are opportunities that if people aren't on social media, if they're not putting out content that, you know, is about themselves or about their business, they're missing out. I don't understand how they're going to figure out, you know, how to get to the certain audiences if they're not doing it. Because it's, I think it's now. definitely like up to the, the individual, you know, like when I got started on media, it was, I was literally recovering from being extremely ill from colitis. I was mm sick for three years. And during those three years, my husband became unemployed. And so I had to essentially had a baby at home and I had to rebuild my personal training because I'd only been working a little bit while I was home with my son. Mm -hmm. And then I literally got thrust into having to work seven days a week. And then during that time, battling infectious colitis and post-infectious IBS. And I was emaciated. I got down to a size zero. I was hospitalized multiple times for dehydration. And um, I, I, my colitis was brutal. But, you know, like I got really ill. And a friend of mine one day, because um, I started working out at home as a way to rebuild my strength. So even though I would you know, primarily been only training in the gyms, my home space became a, a refuge where I could just kind of rebuild my skills again, rebuild my strength. Mm -hmm. Once I started sharing that on media, it started to kind of like take off and, and, it, and I didn't expect anything to, to come of it. Then companies, you know, started to share my posts, companies start to, sh you know, send me product or, you know, I would started getting on podcasts and it just organically started to become a business of its own. That was never yeah. my intention. And I think that's kind of the beauty of it is the passion um, and the love for what I do has always been there. Mm -hmm. And then I just became, I guess you could say fearless in a way. I'm, I'm, you know, like I have no problem putting myself out there because I know that I'm, you know, a, a continuous student of life. Yeah. Um, and I was one of the first women to compete in mace competitions. And at that time it wasn't very good, but like I got up there and I did it anyway at the Arnold's classic on the main stage in front of thousands of people and big screens and stuff. And I feel like, you know, um, with the workshops at first, when I was getting contacted by colleagues and I, and I turned it down, I was like, Whoa, like, what am I doing? Like the universe kind of pushing me in this direction. And I'd always wanted to get into education. So it's been a natural evolution. Now, like 
not some people I know do a really good job of being really strategic. They're more of a business mindset. You know, when you and I communicate like off of podcast here, you know, I'm always like a hot mess and you're very like <laughs> meticulous and you have like, you know, the information and stuff. And I'm over here like, I'm on my way to my son's school, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I I've never been like the, the good at, at business, like in the sense of like, you know, calculating how much income I can make, you know, mm -hmm. keeping track of how many hours a week I'm actually working. If you tally in all the extra work, you know, um, I just kind of like organically be, and I find that if I'm, uh, if I do that, I'm much kinder to myself and things pull together. Mm -hmm. You know, every, everybody is different. And so like with media, I think people need to find what works for them. I don't do any fancy editing at all. I don't add any like, um, over, you know, like, uh, talk overs. I don't do mm -hmm. any, you know, it's just, because literally I have that 20 minutes before I pick up my son from school and I write it up and I get in my car and I go and I pick him up, you know? And so, and that seems to be working. Yeah, no, no, it, it definitely is. And uh, you were hitting right on what I was going to mention was that it's definitely person by person. It's yes. the individual and what works with them and what even they enjoy. I will say that as someone that I'll say puts a little, I'll say spice on their posts mm -hmm. sometimes. I, and I always get amazed too with if anybody follows me on Instagram. I mostly just post stuff for Highland Games stuff and my, the training that I do. And the videos are, are literally my training videos that I send off to a coach to be analyzed. And that's why yeah. I have them. But if I'm going to post something on Instagram, I take a little extra time and I'll put a filter on it or I'll put some text over it because I enjoy it. And yeah. that's part of you know my... Uh, well, you know hobbies. me in technology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even find the application folder. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> but uh, it, uh, it's the individual too. You know, if, if that is part of, I'll say, your mindset of, okay, I like to do those things. Awesome. Keep doing them. If, totally. If it organically comes to you and, you know, this is what you're putting out there. Awesome. Keep going with it. If it's, wor if it's working, it's working. And I think that probably my takeaway of it is you just, you got to start it to find out and you don't, you won't know unless you do start posting and seeing if it's affecting your business in a positive or negative way and ways that you can alter it to ultimately get to the goal that you want. If it's that you want to do educational workshops, if you want to do boot camps, if you want to do seminars or whatever that might be, you got to start somewhere. And I think that that's somewhere that trainers in general, they have these great ideas but they don't take those steps because of either the fear or even those steps. They might not know what those steps are. I agree with that. You know, like um, I realized a couple of years ago that I had to get out of my own way. So like anytime I've been on the brink of like kind of uh, succeeding at something, you know, like bringing something to fruition, I'd like freak out and I'd just like stop doing it. And, and after the first couple of workshops, I realized that I felt like I was like, oh my God, I, I, I can't describe it in words how I feel, but like when I'm in a room traveling and teaching and it's a workshop where I'm kind of placed there for, if it's clinic, it's three hours. If it's a workshop, it's up to eight hours. And this joy, I, I feel like the, so alive and I'm so blessed and grateful um, and I'm always learning. 
And I realized that that's what I really love doing. I love training my clients every day. You know, um, I, I love that. I love teaching. But with the, with the seminars and, and developing these workshops, there's something there that in my gut, it just says go. Mm-hmm. So I keep like, you know, going. And that's part of bringing the pillars of female strength concept out with, it was an idea. And I'm like, why am I just sitting here with this idea in my head? And I, I decided, and I said it in a post a while back, like I got out of my way and I started to execute the ideas that were in my head. Yeah. And sometimes they don't always plan out, but I've been fortunate where 99% of the time it does. Yeah. yeah. It's right. like that, that for, that's just, you just gotta, there's like a belief or the passion leads it. Yeah. I think that those are the steps that, or even the, the thought process that someone goes through in their head when either they're going to take that contractor route or they're going to be, you know, starting to be an entrepreneur, they start having those, okay, can I do this? Or is this going to benefit me? And to be honest, you never know unless you try. I, I think that entry-level trainers in general, they are often faced with that. Do I go the contractor route? I got a nice base of clients and I, I feel like I can do this outside the gym. I can make some extra money. But, oh, you know, the gym is nice. They, you know, give me clients every now and then, uh, but they never know. And I think that sometimes you just got to, you got to take that leap. You got to see if you can do it. If you have, if you've taken all the right steps in terms of finding where you're going to train them, you know, with the, all the business setup, all that kind of stuff. And you still give them a quality service. Yeah, it's a hard, this. it's a hard business. You know, yeah. like, um, I, I know that I do not have the personality to be in a franchise fitness or corporate fitness. Yeah. Um, you know, and recently I had been, um, contacted to, to go over to a, a corporate place and I turned it down. I was like, I'm not signing a non-compete waiver. I'm not, yeah. you know, like I, I'm like, I've had too much forward movement. Um, and I like being my own driver of of the vehicle is it is it it comes with its challenges because there's not that security blanket of like a feed of clients coming from a facility but i i'm i'm tied into my own destiny like i control my car and i i i've realized after 20 i'll be this is my 17th year in the industry and you know, for, for some people it, it works, you know, and, and for me, I, I guess I, I got bit by the entrepreneur bug in a way. And I, that word sounds so cliche. Cause I don't, mm-hmm. I don't feel like an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I just know that I'm following my gut. Like, yeah. you know, it's been awesome. Like a collaboration with Ryan Pitts, you know, I made, we designed that mace and mm-hmm. uh, the iron gata and John Odin part- participated in that. Mm-hmm. You know, I have the, the clubs that I've, designed with Mike Rominski too. So it's like, I've gotten into the equipment, yep. the, 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 the workshops, then I've hosted and organized three, no, four, like first events in the United States. That took a lot of work. It's yeah. a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff. And I, when you start to lay them all out there, I think that you're like, wow, I did all those things as well. And you, you definitely got to pat yourself on the back for all those items. And I think as we get to the podcast takeaways, I think the takeaways that I think trainers can really um, hopefully start to implement today would maybe be some type of advice for them 
that you think are really going to help them also maybe take that leap, take, whether it's being a quote unquote entrepreneur or going the contractor route or starting a educational workshop, whatever that might be. What is that advice you think that can help them make that leap? Well, I think it's an evaluation of what makes you feel most alive. You know, like, um, I know that for myself, and I'm only speaking uh, from my personal experience, that I appreciated the start that corporate fitness gave me as a young trainer. Mm -hmm. But I realized really soon on that I thought differently. And that's okay. You know, yeah. like I, in, instead of going to um, the kettlebell certification that the gym was going to send me to, I sought out Anthony Delugio, which is one of the best decisions I've ever made in my career. Because what I learned uh, in writing and collaborating with him and attending multiple workshops with him, that, that was like an immense um it just, it just altered my career forever. And that was mm -hmm. 11 years ago. And, um, you know, I was the first one to bring kettlebell into the gym. I was at the, uh, the first one to bring in a TRX, the first one to bring in the battle ropes. I just kind of always, um, if something interests me, I'm going to pursue it. So I think what happens oftentimes is as you, you said it before the fear, right? And I think yeah. after battling colitis, and being so ill and then during that time being under an immense amount of pressure supporting my family financially i went through hell and i came out so much stronger and it gave me so much more appreciation and gratitude and then i realized like my biggest hang-up was getting in my own way and so i have these times where i really will struggle because you know we i live in an affluent area i'm not affluent but you know the area that i'm in is and so my clients will be gone for multiple weeks at a time or they're they're commuting and they have business trips or you know there's always something mm -hmm. uh, like right now we're on school break so it's a very quiet week for me even though today is jammed but it's like uh, you have to decide if it's if which way you want to go, you know, like I realized that I, I didn't want to just be on this kind of hamster wheel of, of fitness because I think of exercise or training, um, from different angles. Yeah. So I, I wanted people to start thinking of skill-based modalities. I want them to, you know, cause I think sometimes we get caught up in the culture of where, Everybody wants to turn back the clock, but they never think of the now or what's coming ahead. Mm -hmm. And so like my, my dialogue has changed with, with my clients, you know, and everybody's different. I don't know. I think you just have to honor what is in you, what, what drives you, what, and then I think sometimes, um, within our industry, our industry is very cutthroat yes. and it's very dog eat dog. And I think what you have to do too is find a way to minimize the noise. Either there's outward noise or there's internal noise, right? Yeah. So like, and everybody's going to have an opinion that's and, and entitled to it. And but you have a choice how other people's opinions of you are going to affect you. So what I realized is like, I've been fortunate that I have a ton of support 
and you know encouragement and my clients are always like hey where you know they know i'm going on tour next month and you know i'm not going to see my weekend people for four weeks and you know it, it's like it's a relationship where you know i'm so grateful but i've also had people say what are you doing why are you doing this isn't it going to get tiring isn't it going to get old like why and i'm like i'm listening to my gut and it says go yeah. Like if I want to back off, I'll back off. I'm very fortunate that I have um, a supportive family. My husband is 100% supportive of me and he's been that way from the beginning, you know? And so it's, some people don't have that support system and some people do. And I think it's, it's just an individualized decision. If, okay. And I hope what I'm saying makes sense. I know oh, I I've been rambling, but no, no, I think you know. It makes a lot of sense, but also I think the takeaway that I got was the steps to build confidence in your, in your path, whatever that path might be. Um, I know we talked about several different things, but yeah, complete once thing, or you might have one life moment that gets you to reevaluate or rethink what path you're on, but then you get confidence from it that tells you to keep going and tells you that exactly. this can work. You know, I'm 40 this and I'm like, and which is young. I know I'm young, but I'm also in a career that, you know, is physically demanding. And I've been, you know, I was an athlete my whole life. Then I was, you know, completely on my own at the age of 17 financially. And I had to work in order to pay for college, any books, anything, my apartment, anything I needed, I had to work for. And now, you know, being almost 20 years in the industry, I realize like it's kind of now or never, right? Like, so that's why I always tell people to kind of like tap into your unfulfilled potential. Yeah. And I don't want to be um, a slave to the hours of the gym all the time. You know, like I want to pursue the education because that's where my heart is in my, my career is going, I think you could have both. And that's what I want to do. You know, I want to be able to have some variety as I get into, you know, my, my fifties a decade from now, I want to build on education. And I realize as a woman, there's way more pressure on being a woman than there is a man, as far as what your looks are, you know, like I've been around so many groups of trainers and, you know, even in our circle of like circular training, you know, um, there's a lot of men who are like my, my collaborator and mentor, Paul, he's 70 and amazing. And we're going on tour together. And, you know, I don't know of any women out there that are kind of doing that. And I want to be 70 teaching, you know, um, and I want people to seek me out for who I am and for what I've accomplished and, and what I'm continuing to learn as I continue to evolve and grow and not focus on what I look like, Yeah, you know, um, and, or that should be in, for anybody in general. I'm not saying about me specifically, that's like a broad, you know, like, mm-hmm. I think that's where our industry needs to go to is I think our industry needs to realize that people don't always have to fit into the vanilla there's a lot of spice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's the old argument of, you know, should a trainer be in shape or do they have to look in shape or do they have to play that sport to be able to coach it? Things like that, that you hear those arguments all the time and, you know, there's both sides of it. And I think that it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be a yes or no in those. 
So Kelly, no, think, it's great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's beauty. There's so much beauty in exploring the gray. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, Kelly, can you give the listeners some insight into one, your social media tags, but also mm -hmm. your upcoming workshops that you have? Sure. Uh, so on um, Instagram, I'm at kelsbells88 and uh, Kelly Manzoni, M-A-N-Z-O-N-E. And I do have a website that I never use, which hopefully <laughs> Tyler knows that already. <laughs> One thing at a time. <laughs> um, I'm also on Facebook as Kelly Manzoni. And then um, the workshops that I have coming up actually uh, next month, um, me and my mentor, Paul, are going to uh, be in St. Louis nice. on March 14th and 15th. Yep. Uh, doing Indian Club in Mace Basics. And then the following weekend, we're in Connecticut, uh, where I am in uh, at my buddy Yuri's place. You're familiar with Yuri. Yes. Um, that that's in Wilton on the 21st and 22nd. And then we fly to England. Wow. And we do a workshop on March 28th and 29th, which is a two-day event that's pretty awesome because we're um, – doing uh multiple modalities on that one because uh, paul has trained in iran and india multiple times and so we're doing indian club mace one day and then meals um on day two and a little bit of shenna board in there and then the following weekend we go from bath england where we're being hosted by uh body mind fit to durham city um to do a workshop at my buddy paul gray's facility firepower gym where um i've hosted and collaborated with paul probably about five times now he's come over here uh to uh america so it's going to be great to finally go over to england and to be with him and then um in may is the may 16th will be the first pillars of female strength workshop which will be in toronto at La Femme Strong. And then the following month, I go to Minnesota, June 13th, for uh, another Pillars of Female Strength workshop. Then I go to Texas for Indian Club in Mace with my friend Monica. And I think there's something else there. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, then there's, I have a couple of like small clinics. And then in the fall, I'll be returning um to the women's movement collaborative um down at original strength institute in north carolina and september 29th no 19th i'll be in moab utah for another wow. pillars of female yeah so it's kind of crazy it's really, fun really amazing stuff though really amazing stuff and would you say the best way to either sign up or get more information would be to contact you through social media i would say contact me uh through instagram uh, if possible, or my email. So my email, and yes, I have a mailing list on MailChimp, but <laughs> I don't know how to use it. <laughs> I told you, like, I'm this is what I'm saying. I'm a hot mess. Somehow it always pulls together, though. Yes. Um, it, my, my email is kelly at kmmoves.com. Perfect. So you can definitely reach me by email, too. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Kelly, thank you for coming on the podcast. Really great gems in there. And really, I think things that will make people think about 
How do they get to the next step? How do they start to follow even their passion if they're not already on that track? So really good stuff there. Thank you again. Thank you so much.